0: Welcome to Heart Health Radio with Board Certified Cardiologist and Internal Medicine Specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefall. Heart Health Radio. Heart Health Radio. Oh, oh, oh. HeartHealthRadio.com. Heart Health Radio. Heart Health Radio is meant for information purposes only. Before taking any action, talk to your doctor. Heart Health Radio is on right
1: now. And we're always on at this time. but. If you are listening anywhere other than Raleigh, would you do us a favor and call us between noon and 2 on Saturdays for Heart Health Radio and the Heart Health Radio Network? I'm Dave Alexander. Here is Dr. Franklin Wefold. Hello, sir. Hello. Did you have a good week?
2: I had a great week. Um, saw some really fantastic patients, people who have been around and alive for 20 years after major heart problems. And it's very gratifying to see, because when I started, way, way back then, yeah, it was miserable. I mean, people would have heart attacks. There was nothing we could do right about, you know, um, fixing the problem as it happened. So they would get very weak hearts, they would go into heart failure. We didn't have the medicines that we have now, right. I remember when ACE inhibitors, which were the cornerstone of heart failure. I remember when they were developed. That was 10 years into my career. And they were so new and people were afraid of them that they really weren't adopted as routine medication. So, you know, um, Eisenhower, the president. Yes. He had a heart attack in the middle of the night while he was in the White House. Yeah. So he calls his doctor and he says, I'm having a heart attack. I have an elephant sitting in my chest. You know what they told him? What? Snuggle up to Mamie.
1: They did not. Yeah,
2: because that was your, snuggle up to Mamie. Yes. Keep warm. Yeah. And I'll see you in the morning if you're still alive.
1: You know, it's funny because I called my doctor once and his advice, and I'm quoting him, were his advice was snuggle up to Mamie. Yeah. I, he just said. And you're going. It didn't make you're sense.
2: You're going, wait a minute. Who's Mamie?
0: <laughs> who's anyway, Mamie?
2: Snuggle up to Mamie was his treatment. The next <laughs> day he was in congestive heart failure. Oh, my. And, of course, you know, what is congestive heart failure? It's when your heart's too weak to pump. Uh-huh. So it's pumping, you know, maybe a, th- a third of the strength. The pressure builds up, and you get fluid in your lungs. And they, you know what they didn't have then? What? Diuretics, okay, which, is a medicine, which are medicines yeah. that make you pee or urinate. Yes. And then you get rid of excess fluid. So they had mercury. Okay. Oh, no. So mercury was a very mild diuretic. So they gave him some mercury and he, you know, urinated a little bit, got better. But, you know, he wow. spent the last part of his presidency really debilitated. And when he retired to Gettysburg, you know, he had a farm in Gettysburg. Yeah. He was debilitated. Couldn't go out. Couldn't walk much.
1: Wow. Then he had
2: another heart attack. Wow. And, do you know, he was the first person in the United States to receive a balloon pump. Now, what's a balloon pump? We used to use them all the time before we had good therapies for heart failure. And it's a – put it in the leg. Yeah. It looks like a cat of nine tails. You know what a cat of nine yeah, tails is? It's like is? a
1: whip, complex well, No, 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 whip. no. It's
2: a long thing with a um, brown um, thing on the end of it. So it's a long uh, stick. Okay. And it's got a um, sort of a cylindric, cylinder-type thing on the end. Yeah. Well, a balloon pump, okay. is, it collapses. It's a balloon on the end. And you put it up. In the what we call the descending thoracic aorta or the big pipe that comes down to feed the legs, and you time it to an EKG. Yeah, so it inflates when the heart is resting, okay, and that helps push blood down the coronary arteries to feed more blood to the heart. Yes, but then when the heart pumps, it collapses and creates a vacuum almost to pull blood out of the heart.
1: This is a t- this is a temporary sort of— Temporary. Th- this is a treatment, right? is what you're saying. Right. Okay.
2: They used, to, they used to think it was going to be a permanent thing, but then it destroyed the artery. Anyway, so he was the first person in the United States to get a therapeutic balloon pump. Okay. And got him out of heart failure. But, you know, he died fairly young. Yeah. Um, I think he was in his late 60s, maybe early 70s when he died, which is young nowadays. You know, if somebody tells me they're old, yeah. they're either 100 or they're 95.
1: Sure not anymore. My grandpa used to sit there with the newspaper. He was in his 80s. He'd say, "Oh my goodness, this fella's passed away. He was a young fella, 72, 73." Yeah. That yeah.
2: it's young. Well, and you know the other thing, you know why people retired at 65? Why? Cuz they would die at 67. Yeah. You know.
1: Listen, we've got the Lee and Tommy who are waiting. Let me just tell you what else we're going to talk about on the program. You've heard perhaps, you heard on this show about the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, and we were anticipating that it was going to yeah. be approved, and it's been approved. Uh, the, hard, the COVID numbers are odd that they slid way down and have seemed to have crept up just a little bit. We'll talk about that. We've got uh, Rose Hoban coming up uh, in our second hour. We also have uh, Dr. Um, uh,
2: uh, uh, What's his name?
1: No, no, I'm so sorry. Dr. Mann is coming on today's show at twelve thirty five. Yeah. Dr. Mann's gonna be on the show. We're gonna talk about dentistry and heart disease and we got Lee joining us. Lee, welcome to the show. How you doing? I'm good. Um, Lee, what I'm is your hometown? STEM. S T E
3: M. STEM,
1: STEM. yeah. What's going on?
3: So I was wondering if you could educate me and the public about left branch bundle blocks. Yeah. Um my wife is been diagnosed with that they've done an MRI they said she's fine yep um but I'm just interested to know
2: sure that's a great question
3: educate her on what that is
2: okay so the electricity is what powers your heart well initiates the contraction of your heart muscle so just imagine you have four chambers of the heart two on top two on Mm -hmm. the bottom Mm -hmm. on the right it collects blood in the atria, which is the top part, and it goes down to the right ventricle. The, both ventricles pump, and then it goes up into the lungs, and then down after it's oxygenated into the left atrium, down to the left ventricle, out to the body. Now, have you ever been shocked? Have you ever had a shock, an electrical shock? Yeah. Okay. If you stick a little needle in your muscle okay <laughs> like your thigh okay and give yourself a you know sta- even static electricity what's going to happen your muscles going to jump so that's the same concept there are there's a there are a group of cells in the right upper part of your heart called the sinoatrial node okay what that is is just a pacemaker it's a natural pacemaker and sodium and potassium are regulated in and out of the cells so it's like a battery mm-hmm. and it that That current of electricity travels through the top of your heart in many channels. When a muscle is exposed to a current of electricity, it was designed to contract. Okay, little tiny proteins. It's like a ratchet. Mm -hmm. And so when they ratchet together, the whole thing shrinks down and powers blood. Well, then that electricity pauses in the middle of the heart. And that's called the AV node, atrioventricular node. What does that mean? It just means it's between the top part and the bottom part, atria and ventricle. And it collects in that area and pauses for a second. No, a fraction of a second. And then there's two bundles in the middle of the heart separating the right ventricle and left ventricle. One is called the right bundle and one is called the left bundle. The left bundle goes down to the left side of the heart. And the right bundle goes to the right side of the heart. Makes sense. Yeah. And as the electricity travels down, it starts contracting those bottom parts of the heart, the ventricles, to allow the power of the ventricle muscle to force the blood out of the heart and on the right side into the lungs.
1: So what's he, what's his wife got going so wrong? So
2: here we go. I'm getting there. The, I always tell him this. I'm he always helping. hurries me I'm along. Helping. The public wants to know. Yes. So the left bundle... Or the right bundle can be broken. Uh huh. It's not a broken heart. It's just a broken bundle. Yeah. And the left bundle, when it's broken, the electricity has to go down the right side of the heart first to the tip and then over to the left ventricle and then up. Now, for some people, that's not good. Okay. For some people, for a strange reason, when you have a left bundle block, so the electricity has to go down the right side first, not the left side, it can make the heart weak for some people it's caused by a heart attack so suppose your muscle dies in the middle of your heart it's called the septum it will kill the bundle branch the bundles which are basically cells yeah that can carry they can get scarred and blocked for a lot of people we don't know why they got a left bundle branch block those electrical cells that carry the electricity to the left side of the heart just stop working yeah okay and you can have a normal heart if you have a left bundle branch block. Now, it's much more common to have a right bundle branch block for no reason. I see this all the time. I get yeah. patients who are sent to me with a right bundle branch block, and the EKG, you know, the uh, computer reading says abnormal, right bundle branch block, and they, get, they come to me and they, you know, they're normal. I get a lot of patients also with a left bundle branch block, and because that can lead to a weak heart, yeah. they get sent to me. And I would say half of the young people, and young, again, we talked about this, is less than 70, less than 80. Their hearts are normal. And they just have it for some reason. Why? We don't know. Some people speculate. You know how COVID can affect the heart? Yeah. Well, there are other viruses, like common cold viruses, that can cause a low-grade inflammation of the heart and block the bundle in that particular place. Okay. So – Lee, if your wife has been examined, probably they did an ultrasound, the MRI also looks for inflammation. That's one of the reasons why we're doing a lot more MRIs of the heart. Mm -hmm. If it's normal, then I really wouldn't worry about it. However, there is a rare situation that after a few years, five or six years of a left bundle branch block, the left side of the heart says, I don't like this electrical pattern. I'm going to try and, and change it, try to you know get my muscle to pump in the normal fashion, and it winds up getting weak. Now, there's yeah. a correction for that, and this yeah. is a special kind of pacemaker. And you put one wire to the right heart, you put another wire through the back vein to the left heart, and re-coordinate them.
1: And you don't do this immediately. No.
2: If, you're, you're, if, you're fine if your yeah. muscle function's normal, yeah. and you don't have a cholesterol blockage that's preventing blood from flowing, and the MRI shows there's no big scarring or inflammation, you leave it alone. Right. And you just watch it, you know. So if your wife has a left bundle and she's been looked at and the electricity is not flowing down the left part of the heart normally, it goes down the right heart first and then to the left heart, I wouldn't worry about it. But I would have it checked out periodically. Now, is it every year? Is it every two years? I don't know. Um, because some people can be asymptomatic even before their heart starts to weaken. So I hope that was a complicated, um, exhaustive explanation. But the bottom line is, if she's been checked out, the left bundle's nothing to worry about now.
3: No, that was a great explanation, and I appreciate it. And she has been checked out, and it has came back normal. It sounds like there's, like, some little capacitors in the heart that does, what you're saying, you know, holding the electricity for a second and hers is slowing down from what yeah, I understand. Yeah.
2: Does so, she exercise? Well,
3: she does not exercise.
2: Right. I would get her to exercise. And the reason? Well,
1: good the, luck getting your wife to exercise. <laughs> what's that? Yeah. Good luck getting your wife to exercise. Okay, this so, is,
2: let me tell you what you can tell her.
1: The major cause of divorce. You can tell her. You heard is. from
2: Dr. Weefall that there is a chance that yeah. her heart muscle will get weak. That if she exercises, and this is something that's really important, walking 35 minutes or so, four times a week, will strengthen the heart in a left bundle branch block situation. Okay. And okay. they're doing a study now on normal people, quote unquote, with a left bundle branch block, if regular exercise prevents the deterioration of the ventricle, which we can't predict who's going to get and who's not going to get. Yeah. I've had two patients go into heart failure six, <laughs> seven years after. Yeah but most of my patients are fine.
1: Lee, thank you. Yep, thank you very much. Hey, call
2: back sometime. We really appreciate your question.
1: Appreciate it. We're going to pick up with Tommy in just a moment. Also, talk about statins. There's some good news about statins and how they help you for for things you maybe hadn't anticipated. And
2: they don't really hurt you.
1: And we're going to talk about off-pump heart surgery because somebody here in the studio is going to have that. That's coming up, uh, and the shame segment, next on Heart Health Radio on the Heart Health Radio Network. Ooh, this mean, is Heart Health, Health Radio, Radio on the Heart Health Radio Network. I'm Dave Alexander. Dr. Franklin Weefald is here, and we are pointing out, some people who've done something, they should be ashamed of themselves?
2: Well, Who? I tell you, I, I think the biggest shame for me is realizing that Medicare is driving prices up. Okay. For everyone. Well, it's and supposed th- to for cut them prices. themselves, too. It's supposed to cut prices. Well, and see, here's the problem. And again, I love weight med. I love my hospitals. Yeah. But they have a racket going on. That, and they bought up all these physician practices. Yeah, And they stick them in buildings that are attached to the hospital. Yeah, 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 yeah. when that happens, if you have a normal visit with your physician, you're going to have a tack-on. I don't know if that's a real term, but it's called the facilities fee. It's 140 bucks. Does so that... what they're saying is because they're at a hospital situation yeah. with their office, they deserve $145 more than a per visit – than a physician who has a building and he's not associated with the hospital yeah. by himself.
1: Now, does this also apply to those standalone buildings that are nowhere near the hospital?
2: They just now stopped that.
1: Okay. So because the there's a lot of those, too.
2: For, say, uh, Joe Hospital Physicians Practice, they used to get the 145 bucks, but they don't. So I suggest that you write your congressperson yeah. and tell them it's a waste of money. Okay, so why should a physician whose office is in a hospital and he is owned by a hospital yeah. get $145 more do- bucks? That's more than the visit. The visit, 125 bucks for a common cardiology visit is what Medicare will
1: pay. I just went through one of those appointments mm-hmm. at a building that was attached right. technically great to doctor. the hospital. I'm not saying Terrific the doctors people. aren't great. The nurses were wonderful, yes. but it was a normal visit, as you would have with your doctor.
2: And wait till you see the bill—that's really facilities fee. Okay. And the thing people understand is it—it's a—it's a, it's a um, thing that Medicare will make you pay twenty yeah. percent. Of your portion, so you're not only going to pay twenty percent of the hundred twenty-five bucks that you see a cardiologist for. Yeah. You're going to pay twenty-five twenty percent of the hundred forty-five bucks, which is the facilities fee.
1: I want to let you know the the waiting room is full. Oh, let's do it. We literally have four people waiting, and well, let's, let's get Tommy on because he's waited a long time. Hello, Tommy. Welcome to Heart Health Radio.
4: Hey, good afternoon. Uh, first of all, I want to say if I had any heart issues, I definitely would go see Dr. Weithall, But I just got two quick questions I want to ask. Um, I got a friend of mine. He's on up in age, and, and he goes and sees you every year for uh, <clears throat> his heart test and all. But anyway... He's diabetic, and I talk to him a couple times a week, and he complains about his feet goes numb and they go cold, and da 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 da. And I suggest him suggested him to take Lyrica. No, yeah, Lyrica for his diabetic nerve pain. That might be why his feet is going to sleep. I don't know. But um, my second question is, and I'll sit back and listen. uh, Why is it you never hear of women having heart attacks? You very rarely hear of a woman having a heart attack.
1: Oh, boy. That's
2: a great question. Yeah. All right, so let's talk about the feet. Numbness in the feet and coolness in the feet. Two major reasons, okay? Number one is you don't have enough blood getting down there. That's called PAD or peripheral arterial disease, and I see that a lot. And um, people say my feet are cold. Um, They can turn blue. And they're numb and tingling. The reason why they're numb and tingling is because not only are the muscles and bones not getting enough blood flow, but the nerve endings aren't either. Right. And so it's important to distinguish that from neuropathy pain. So the nerve endings can go bad. They fill up with, you know, sugar products from diabetes. Or you got back pain, back problems, and the nerves are getting compressed And the very tips are the first ones to go. So you talked about Lyrica. Lyrica is a very good medicine for neuropathy. Um, It doesn't ever eliminate the pain. But for some reason, Lyrica and other medications like it can deaden the nerve endings. What they're doing is they're firing when they shouldn't be firing. So, you're feeling a sensation that doesn't really exist as a problem. Yeah. And there are other medicines that work. Gabapentin, for a mm-hmm. lot of people, that's an anti seizure medicine. But believe it or not, dilantin is another anti seizure medicine. So, I guess the anti seizure medicines kind of prevent the nerves in the brain from firing irregularly. Right. So, if you have this, don't just assume that it's one thing or another. I've had patients come in who are diabetic, right. who are on Lyrica, Gabapentin. And their feet were still numb, tingling, and in pain. And I put a blood pressure cuff on their ankle. Okay? Yeah. And no blood pressure. None? Well, you know, I'm exaggerating. Very low. Depressed. And so we work them up for PAD. We find out they got a bunch of blockages in the leg that feeds blood to the foot and the leg. We fix them, and it goes away. Yeah. So those are the two major reasons. There are others that uh, I, very complicated, don't want to get into. But if you're numb and tingling in the feet and you're diabetic, don't assume it's a neuropathy or nerve problem. Get checked out because you may have cholesterol blockages in the arteries to the legs and feet that could be fixed. Now, let's get to the second question. That's very good that you don't hear a lot about women with heart attacks. Guess what? That's not because they don't have heart attack. It's yeah. because, number one, we don't talk about it. But number two, a lot of them aren't diagnosed until they either drop dead
0: mm-hmm. or they
2: get a heart failure. Mm-hmm. And the reason is, and this is, and people think, ah, oh, you're sexist. You don't believe women are equal to men. That's not true. Under the law and in society, women should be equal to men. Yeah, But they have different bodies. Okay, this is... A true story. They have an XX chromosome distribution. Kidding. Yeah, and so women can have symptoms, and men can too. Yeah, but this is scientifically proven that women have different symptoms quite frequently than men do. Mm-hmm. So, shortness of breath, no chest discomfort, uh, fatigue, dizziness, um, a, a sense that they're not quite right. They can be cardiac symptoms. Now the you go to the physician and you tell these things. And a lot of times there's prejudice. Yeah. So, you know, men who are raised in the old fashioned way of thinking will just say, ah, you know, this woman's just, you know, a little, a little nervous, a little upset. And they do something really terrible. They don't take them seriously.
1: You mean the health care people?
2: The health care providers. Don't take it seriously. They don't take women's symptoms seriously. So I get a lot of women who come to my office and they say, I'm fatigued, I'm short of breath, I just don't feel right, I'm dizzy. And I say, well, we better check you out right away. Right, And they say, well, you know, Doc, I've been to four physicians who have said, there's nothing wrong with me. So that's one of the main reasons is that women can be ignored when they have symptoms.
1: And I think that women are used to playing through injury. To, uh, to a certain extent. I guess so. so. See, you know, I'm well, fine. I, well, way, I'm fine. They're told not to complain. Right. My mom used to say, well, I'm fine. You know, yeah, everything is good. I
2: don't want to complain. I don't want to complain. You know.
1: All right. Thank you very much, Tommy, for that question. Much more coming up. This is Heart Health Radio and the Heart Health Radio Network.
0: Now back to Heart Health. Have a question for Dr. Weefald? Call 919-860-9783.
1: This is Heart Health Radio. I'm Dave Alexander, Dr. Franklin Weefald in studio, and, you know, we got a hit. We have a hit radio show.
2: Yeah, but you know. What? We've got to be modest, right? No, I'm not
1: going to be modest. Uh, we've got a bunch of people online. Well, let's get them And on they're this. here because they the want to talk to let's the doctor. Let's get them on the show. Lee and Durham, welcome to the show. How you doing? Hey, ha- Dr. Weevald, hello. Hey. Dr. Weevald, about two years two. About three
5: years, uh, about two years ago now, um, a doctor at Duke told me that my heart is weak.
4: My cardiologist,
5: who is somebody different, has me right now on two medicines: lisinopril, uh, zestril, and also carvedilol. Yeah. Correct. What does that tell you, Doctor? Te- yeah,
2: tells me uh, he or she. Is doing a pretty good job. Let me tell you why you're on both those medicines. So I assume the kind of weakness you have is that your muscle doesn't pump strong, and when that happens, it gets a little flabby, a little big. And losartan we taught earlier in the show. This is an ACE inhibitor, ACE, angiotensin. Can you speak up, please? Yeah, angiotensin converting enzyme inhibitor. Now, angiotensin converting enzyme controls the. Uh, the tightness of your artery. So you can use it for blood pressure. How? You take an ACE like Lisinopril. It relaxes your artery because it gets rid of this thing called angiotensin. It thinks about it. Angio is artery. Tensin is tension. Well, when that happens and your arteries are more flexible and relaxed, imagine this. Your heart has to pump against them. So if you've ever blown up a balloon that's really stiff I hate that when I go to parties. Yeah. You try to blow up a balloon for your kid, yeah. and you're, you're, you can't blow it up hard enough because the balloon is stiff. Right. Well, What does an ACE inhibitor do? It makes that balloon more pliable. It makes it easier to blow into. When that happens, your heart can pump stronger. Okay. It's like releasing the pressure that your heart has to pump against. Yes. So they're great drugs. There's some newer ones out, Entresto, uh, that work even better. So you have to, you know, have to think that the ACE inhibitors were revolutionary. So lisinopril, captopril, enalapril, they were all revolutionary in heart failure. They really cut the death rate tremendously because they relax those arteries the heart has to pump against, so the heart pumps stronger. Now, let's get to Carvetilol. It's a beta blocker with a little bit of alpha blocker. What does that mean? So beta blockers protect the heart when it's weak because adrenaline can't pound on the heart as much. Right. So if your heart's not pumping well, your body's natural reaction is to get the adrenaline up because adrenaline, when it, when it hits that heart muscle, tries to make it pump harder. Now that may sound like a good idea, but it wears out the heart. Sure. So the beta blocker says, wait a minute, I'm not going to let the adrenaline pound my heart so much that it tries to make it stronger and actually makes it weaker. So beta blockers are like metoprolol, atenolol, um, carvedilol. These medications have all been tested, and metoprolol and carvedilol both reduce death rates in heart failure by preventing your own adrenaline from wearing out your heart. So it sounds like your doctor, he or she, is right on the ball with those two medications. They're really important. Now, what are other medications that they use? Now, I talked about Entresto. It it's more complicated. Um, it has uh, a similar medication called an ARB. It works in the same pathway as an ACE inhibitor. Plus, this new one that I can't pronounce right now because yeah, my fine. brain ain't working, the yeah. combination of the two of them work well. The angiotensin receptor blockers like Cozar um, or Erbisartan, Losartan, they work with heart failure, too, because they do the same sort of process as an ACE inhibitor. There's something called spironolactone, which is an old-time diuretic. They're not using it for diuresis. They're using it to block something called aldosterone. Al is a bad guy. Yeah. Aldosterone? Aldos- well, I it's like guy. Al Capone. I went to high
1: school with aldosterone. Yeah,
2: aldosterone. Okay. And he's part of the heart failure mafia. Yeah. And you know, you're using that to you're using spironolactone to get aldosterone in jail. Yeah. Okay. okay. You're putting them away. FBI.
1: Makes, makes perfect and sense.
2: And so there are and there are others I'm not gonna name <laughs> now. But this is what's fantastic. I talked about this before. You know, Dwight Eisenhower, he hugged Mamie all night, wound up with a dead heart oh. and was never the same. Right. Um so we could have instead of hugging Mamie, he could've had a balloon hug his artery. And open it up, but that didn't come around till the 1990s. Right. So he was 40 years ahead of the game. And then the other thing that could have helped him mm-hmm. was these were these medicines, Lisinopril and Carvedilol, which our friend is on.
1: Lee, thank you very much for the phone call. I gotta get Shorty on the radio. Shorty. Hi, Shorty. Hey, hey. Hey, hey what's, what's happening?
2: Up? Good
5: afternoon. First thing, uh, Dave, how are you? I'm doing all right.
2: Thank you. Dave, we're going to talk about Dave's heart in just a little bit. But Dave is...
5: Okay. Now, the next one is, thank you for the negatives.
2: Oh. oh, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like, thanks for the negatives, Sh- Shorty? You're not the record, Shorty. I've got test- another... Yeah, go ahead.
1: It Was testing okay, positive so, um, for COVID. This is your own um, uh, history. Yeah. Uh, Eisenhower was 78 years old when he died in 1969. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. There you go. Now you're at the date. She's double-checking your history of yes, Dwight Eisenhower, right?
2: Yeah. He was 69 when he died? 22. Yeah. He
5: S- the Johnson County Mail, it's J Mail Magazine. Yeah. I guess it was on the
2: back cover? Am I on the cover now?
5: Uh, Franklin Reef.
2: Yeah. You know, let me tell you about that magazine. It's one of the few magazines that people read nowadays. You know, you've, you walk mm-hmm. in a doctor's office, and there are magazines everywhere. Yeah. Now... People have their own little iPhones or or other type of phones, and they're reading those. Yeah. So I used to get all these deals for magazines, but now there are no magazines to get deals on. Right. Yeah. But Shorty, let me ask you. Let me let me tell you one thing. You're not a record anymore. I've got another patient right now who is eight weeks into testing and he's still Mm -hmm. positive. So let me tell the the listeners out there why I do this, because I don't really believe that it makes sense that the CDC is saying you're positive, seven days, go on about your business. Because if you have the PCR positivity in your nose, there's live virus in there.
1: There is. So you could transmit it.
2: I think so. It's not been studied, but who wants to study that?
1: Nobody. Yeah. No, you're right. Shorty, thank you very much. Love you, Shorty. Appreciate it. Teresa in Carthage. Welcome to Heart Health Radio. How are you doing, Teresa?
5: I'm doing great. How are you today?
1: Good. What's up?
5: Um, My mother has a pacemaker. Uh, Her blood pressure stays around 150 and sometimes below that. But sporadically, she has AFib. She does have the AFib. um, She takes Topra as needed for that. Is there anything else we need to think about or do for that?
2: Sure, there is. How does she feel when she's in AFib? Does she tell? Can she tell? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So let let me tell you what's great about this. So pacemakers, people think, how can I go into AFib when I have a pacemaker? Okay. So think about it. A pacemaker doesn't control the rhythm. It it just follows along and says, uh, the computer says, you're too slow. You're going below my limit. And then it gives a electrical signal that, <clears throat> excuse me, comes from the battery and keeps it going at a certain rate. AFib says, my electricity is not the way it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to start flying off the handle. It's like when you and I get an argument.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And yes.
2: I'm nice and regular in my talking. And, and I you fly, fly
1: off, off the handle. I do. I do.
2: Yeah. I, do, I, do I do. And yeah. so the AFib fib. Can be dangerous because when it goes into its when it rears its ugly head, no. the blood doesn't flow well, and when blood doesn't flow well, it can clot. We've talked about this a bunch of times. Then little clots can form and break off and go to the brain and cause a stroke. So the other consideration, even if she's only having AFib every now and then, is is she on a blood thinner like Warfarin, Xarelto, Eliquis?
3: Yeah.
2: No. Yeah. Okay. So, the other thing is, why does she take the Toprol only when she's an AFib? Why doesn't she take it all the time to prevent it from happening?
6: We've tried that,
5: and it really makes her feel so bad. Uh
2: Aha. Drops her rate
5: down.
2: Has her doctor ever talked about something called ablation, where they get rid of the AFib permanently through a procedure? Okay. So I don't know. There might be reasons why her doctors haven't suggested all these things. But I take care of AFib patients all the time. So let me tell you what I do. If they're symptomatic, I try to use a medicine to get their symptoms under control. So sodalol, amiodarone if necessary. If they don't have structural heart disease, I use flaconine. Mm -hmm. But nine times out of ten, they don't work completely. And by the way, they're all, unless it's contraindicated, they have head injuries all the time. They're falling or they have bleeding in their rectum or they're ulcer prone. They're on a blood thinner. I hate to use that term. Anticoagulant to prevent clots. But I've got um, so many of my patients who've done so well after ablation. And what's that? That's a medical procedure where they put a little tube up your leg while you're sleeping in, in, a, in a laboratory and you're all you know sterilized and, and sedated. And they find out where the AFib is coming from. It's usually coming from the veins that come into the left side of the heart from the lungs. And they either freeze the tissue mm-hmm. or gently fry the tissue so it can't make those abnormal signals. And your AFib is gone most of the time. I had AFib. We talked about this. When did I have that? A month ago? Two months ago?
1: Probably two. Yeah. yeah.
2: And it was horrible. Yeah. Horrible. And I felt terrible. But I got mine corrected. I had an underlying condition that was causing it. And that underlying condition is now solved. I had a, a nail that had gotten fired into my heart. I pulled the nail out. and
1: You did not have I a know, nail. I
2: know. I'm trying to be funny you here. might have felt that way. Yeah, it did. But... um. Talk to your doctor about maybe um, these these issues. So the, I would talk about a medicine to keep it from coming back, an anticoagulant to prevent a stroke, and perhaps an ablation. And the thing about a pacemaker, it doesn't prevent AFib. They used mm-hmm. they tried to develop some pacemakers that yep. would actually shock the heart, yeah, or pace the heart out of you it. Didn't work. It. No, you don't. Want it. And so. There's no reason to suffer with AFib anymore, especially when an ablation can be very effective at getting rid of it.
1: Teresa, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Telephone number is 919-860-9783. I don't think I gave that number out very much during today's show, but it's been a lot of phone calls.
2: Because I I put it, whenever I use a public restroom, I write call for a good time, (laughs) call doctor, we fall that.
1: between noon and th- two every Saturday, nine one nine eight six zero nine seven eight three is that number. We got Tammy in Four Oaks. Hi, Tammy. How are you?
6: I'm great. I hope you guys are. Yes. I'm,
1: I'm so glad you're called. What's going on?
6: Absolutely love, love, love your program.
1: Thank you. Right.
6: Um, a quick comment and then a question. Uh, I was on. Uh, I have one one stent, one heart stent, and I was on Berlinta. Which was causing um, a uh, short my shortness of breath. Yes. Okay, and which Doctor Weefall told me. So I stopped taking that, and I was put on uh, Plavix. Okay. So, is there a a good time to take Plavix, like morning, noon, or night, or is, is any time of the day okay?
2: Okay, so Plavix is a medicine that works with aspirin to prevent the platelets. These are the little teeny weeny cells in your body that rush to a bleeding site Uh and work with proteins to close the hole. Well, unfortunately, stents are made of metal, okay? Mm -hmm. And the body tries to clot them off. So what you need to do is give aspirin plus one of these agents to prevent the platelets from clotting off the stent and causing basically a heart attack, yeah. okay? So br- let's talk about brylenta brylenta is the newest one, and it's 90 milligrams twice a day. The problem with Lenta in small numbers of people, for some reason, it makes you short of breath. So then you got to switch, and there's another one called Effient. but the old tried and true Plavix, and you want the uh, the generic name? It's Clopidogrel. That's a that's a mouthful, isn't it? Yeah. So Plavix works very well for seventy five percent of people. Now, why does why do I say that? Plavix is a pro drug, so it's not the real drug. You have to metabolize it or or change it in your liver to become the active agent that prevents those platelets from clotting. And There really is no good time of the day to take it more than another. I have my patients take it in the morning, usually, because that's when they get up and get going and they take their Plavix. I had other patients say, yeah, I want to take it in the evening. That's when I take all my medicines. And I haven't seen a difference. If there is somebody out there who has a paper from you know, Romania that says Plavix works better in the morning, let me know. Um, But the difference is... Yeah. That it, it's not 100%. Now, if you can take the Brylinta, you should take it after a heart attack more than Plavix because that's mm-hmm. been proven. If you have a heart attack and they had to put a stent in to open up the artery, if you can tolerate the Brylinta, not only by symptoms, but mm-hmm. by your wallet, it's very expensive oh. because it works better. It is a little bit better than Plavix. But if you have to go to Plavix, you're okay. Now, let me tell you something about Plavix. If you had a stent and you were on Plavix and you smoked, do you yeah. think you had a greater chance of having a heart attack at, on the Plavix or a lower chance?
1: I w- if you smoked, I if think you smoked, greater chance.
2: Yeah, lower. lower. And they th- Yeah, for the first year, smokers have a lower risk of heart attack if they've had a stent and they're taking aspirin and Plavix. And why is that? Yeah. Smoking fires your liver up. That it, it's a toxin getting rid of her. What is that called? Right. A filter for toxins. Sure. And it stimulates the enzyme that converts Plavix into its active drug. Mm-hmm. So I don't recommend you smoke. No, no. But no. all it shows is that Brilinta doesn't need to be metabolized, so it works better. But for seventy-five percent of the people, it work. Plavix works fine.
1: Tammy, thank you very much. This is Heart Health Radio. What? You know you make me wanna... a few weeks ago on heart health radio we talked about Sir Thomas Moore a man who was a hundred years old and lived in Great Britain he uh, he raised a bunch of money for the health service over there Sir Thomas Moore is was laid to rest he he's recently died uh, he was laid to rest today oh. God bless him. Uh, he made it. Made it to a hundred. He raised millions of pounds. That's their money uh, for the National Health Service. Is that correct? To help pay for and, the COVID. Yeah. And they need the money. They do need yeah. the money. Yeah. yeah. Who else are we shouting at? Well,
2: we got another one. Yeah. Lucia De Yeah. Oldest living person in New Jersey nursing home, in a New Jersey nursing home, a <laughs> hundred and five years old. And guess what? She contracted in the nursing home. COVID. COVID. Yeah. She beat it. Wasn't that sick? Had good genes. Wow. Yeah. But here's what she says got her through COVID. Okay. (laughs) She takes raisins and soaks them in gin. Yeah. And then pops them in her mouth and chews them. Now, I think probably the reason why she got through is she didn't really care if she had COVID, you know? I mean, she right. was like, give me some more of those gin-soaked raisins. But anyway, she also said prayer. Yes. One step at a time. Now, she did not eat junk food. So, you know, yes. junk food causes inflammation. Uh-huh. So maybe she had less inflammation. I don't know. Yeah. But fill a jar with nine raisins a day soaked in gin that's her recommendation now i will say this it's not approved by the fda do not try this at home
1: all right very good we've teased this a little bit we talked about it last week i am going to have some work done i met with my surgeon he set a date for it and it's going to be in a couple of weeks yeah i thought it was going to be this week but he's too busy which is okay with me
2: as long as you're not having acute symptoms right okay so let me ask you a question yeah too busy would you rather go to a restaurant
1: no no where you
2: could walk in yeah, and yeah, have yeah. a greasy burger yep or wait an hour yep to have a uh, filet mignon <laughs> done perfectly well for the yeah. same price as the burger
1: i'm gonna go with the filet mignon and i'm gonna wait yeah for a couple of weeks, because he I, he's a popular guy because he does something that a lot of other surgeons don't do. He does the surgical procedure off pump, All right. which you explained last, last
2: week. Last week I'll explain it again. The yeah. pump takes your blood out of your aorta, which is the pipe feeding coming out of the heart and feeds sure. the red blood everywhere. Yeah, And it takes it out of the vein first, I'm sorry. And then it runs it through like a, a – sp- like looks like a Frisbee. And the blood is oxygenated through the frisbee. Okay, it's complicated. Then it's taken back and put in the aorta and gone to your body. Now, why do they have to do that? Because they stop the heart. Yeah. What's called cardioplegia. They yes. pour it on the heart and it stuns it. Uh huh. And then they work sewing when the heart's not pumping. Okay. So, what? It's Brian Bolton. Let's just say his name because yes. I'm gonna shout him out. He's a great guy. I guess he can do it um, when the heart's not stopped. It's yes. pumping very slowly. Yes. But I, they used to only be able to do the internal mammary, which is the artery along the chest wall, taken down carefully uh-huh. and then attached to the Widowmaker artery, which is the left anterior descending. Then they had to make little holes in the aorta mm-hmm. and then attach the vein, sew it on there. It's pretty small. It's less than the size of a pencil. Uh And then attach it beyond where the blockage is in, say, the right artery or the left side artery. Uh He must be really good to be able to do this without stopping the heart. That's called off-pump. So you don't put the pump in. It's off-pump.
1: He – well, I I asked his nurse because I knew enough to ask.
2: Because I taught you.
1: Right. And I looked at the permission slip for the thing, and I'm about to sign it. (laughs) And I look at the line, and it says, off pump. I said, off pump. She says, this is how he was trained. This is all he does is off pump. Now, the question is, am I getting triple or quadruple? He thinks maybe triple. We're going to get inside you, Mr. Alexander, and we might do quadruple. We might, but we're I'm taking one. You know
2: why they might?
1: Yeah. He's got to also- see
2: how big the artery really is. Right. On a calf, heart calf. Uh-huh. A lot of times, yeah, that already looks small, right? Because there's not enough blood going through it, yeah. So they think, well, it's too small to sew a vein on it. But then when they get in there, it's nice and
1: plump, yeah.
2: And then yeah. they'll do it.
1: Well, you know, the whole idea that they're going to take—I've been almost guaranteed—I'm going to have a, uh, something done on my leg. They're going to take a vein from my leg, yeah. But they're also going to use internal parts and. Hoses and tubes and things. Yeah. So from the my, internal
2: mammary artery. From my heart. Yeah. Right. It comes off the left arm. Uh huh. They call the axillary artery.
1: And we're going to use that.
2: It's the best one. Yeah. If you look at the statistics, the veins can clog up more, much more frequently than the internal mammary. Why? It's an artery. Yeah. What happens is they're using veins which are thinner uh-huh. and they don't constrict as much. Yeah. But here's the good news.
1: What?
2: Over time, they turn into arteries. Okay. Yeah, they arterialized. So if the veins not and they you know, you've know, got to handle those veins with care. Well, because if they're I'm stretched I'm not handling them at
1: all, he if is if they're
2: stretched yeah. too much, yeah. they get injured and they don't stay open as much. Okay. Well yeah. I don't want that. I think this is fantastic.
1: Yes, it's incredible. It's the most positive thing that's happened in my and life in a is, long time.
2: When you go on the pump, yes, little teeny weeny, yeah, I
1: don't want I that.
2: mean, teeny weeny weeny clots yes. can form, and then they go to the brain, and you get what's called pump head. Yep. And when you get pump head, you lose your IQ points, so you're down to our level, you know. <laughs>
1: Well, I can't afford to lose anything. In cognitively speaking, I cannot become thirty percent less intelligent than I am now. I got nothing to spare. Yeah. So well, this is this is a this good is thing. This is good. This is a wonderful so thing. So,
2: what's the date, so we can uh, all the
1: nineteenth of next month. And that's March a Friday. Yeah, it's a Friday, so I'm all not right. going to be here. And
2: well, uh, now what we're going to try to do, yeah. is do the show from the intensive care unit.
1: That's a great idea.
2: So you know. I bet you you're going to do so well. They'll have the tube. You know, they have to intubate you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, they can breathe for you. That's but great. if you're not extubated, we're yeah. going to interview you while you're on the ventilator. Excellent. And you can use Morse code.
0: Excellent thought. I love this. This is Heart Health Radio. Heart Health Radio is for information purposes only. Before taking any action, consult your doctor. Welcome to Heart Health Radio with Board Certified Cardiologist and Internal Medicine Specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefall. Heart Health Radio. Heart Health Radio. Oh, oh, oh. HeartHealthRadio.com. Heart Health Radio. Heart Health Radio is meant for information purposes only. Before taking any action, talk to your doctor. This is Heart Health Radio. Telephone number
1: at the uh, headquarters here, 919 860 Nine seven eight three. I'm Dave Alexander. This is Doctor Franklin Weefald. Hello, sir. Hey, hey, hey. Good week this week. It was good. Bunch of patients
2: doing well. Nobody doing poorly. Yeah. I did have one unexpected uh, death, which um, I mourned uh, because I'd taken care of the patient for a long time. Wasn't a COVID fatality. Right. Um, but let's talk about this for a while. What do doctors do uh, when patients die? And this is segues into, you know, a lot of nurses are quitting. A lot of doctors are quitting right? because they're burned out from COVID. Now, we're not Ben Casey anymore. You know, we're not. Um, there's a touchy-feely side of us that has to come out. Right. And how long do you mourn and how do you mourn? when you're a physician and mm-hmm. you get so close to your patients and you're involved in their lives because we have to also give advice sometimes about how your life affects your health right you know the social aspects of it and then you know my my staff is really I don't know how they find out a lot of times family members call right and you know I get on the phone with them and talk about their lives and and talk about, you know, how great a patient they were. I think that helps. But sometimes I got to take a break, you know, and, and it's hard because, you know, take a break, you mourn for a little bit, and then you got to just, you know, hitch up your pants and move on. And it's really, really hard. Um, that's one of the reasons why a lot of doctors don't open up. Right. Because they're afraid of exposing their emotions and having... You know vulnerability, because we got to move on, right? You know, and you, you know it's 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 a tough situation, and it, uh, the death of this patient this week really reminded me of that. I mean, I think I'm pretty tough, yeah. Um, and originally, I used to think that maybe all these nurses and stuff uh, and people who were quitting because of COVID needed to toughen up a little bit. And then, you know, Friday when I got the call, right. Um, I stopped, went outside, took a few deep breaths, and then I thought to myself, yeah, I believe it. A lot of nurses and a lot of physicians might not be able to take it anymore, and I can understand why. But you know what I recommend instead of quitting? Yeah. Take a break. Yeah. Take a long break. You can sit there and you can ask yourself, what am I doing this for, and is it really something that I want to give up because of the stress of dealing with all these patients who are dying.
1: Yeah. We're not going to always be in this awful situation. Yeah. But something if, else is going to come. Yeah. You know? But yeah, but we're, ne- yeah. it's just, it, we're not always going to be under this amount of stress. Yeah, Carolyn Henderson, you are on heart health radio. Hi. Hi. Hey. Hey what can we do That's, for you?
7: Yes, guys. I have, Several different things going on, but I've had to deal with them all at once, so I just wanted a little guidance. Sure. Um, I have a severe herniation of the spinal lumbar. I had an ablation in May. That went
1: well. Okay, you had an ablation uh, in May. You have yeah. a severe herniation of what lumbar? The spinal lumbar. The spinal yeah. lumbar, okay. Yeah. okay. Uh-huh.
7: I have the factor 5 laden or laden. Um, I've had two blood clots in the right knee. Oh, wow. You talked about PAD earlier, and um, I'm only on an aspirin as a blood thinner, but I am in so much pain. Wow. And um, I also um, am due for surgery. I have two bone-on-bone knees. I'm due for surgery in the left knee coming up. Um mm-hmm. They have a steel post that has to come out, and then they're going to go in and they'll know whether they can do the knee surgery or not. Um, Should I have the shot, the um, vaccine, before I do surgery? I'm worried about blood clots, and um, the pain is from everything. I'm also in physical therapy for lipolymphedema, which is very painful. Oh,
2: you have lymphedema, too? I just had
7: everything going on, and I... Wow. I really would like some guidance.
2: Okay, so you're worried about getting a clot when you have your knee fixed. Is that correct? I
7: am.
2: Okay, so let's talk about Factor Five Leiden deficiency. Um, did they ever have you on a full anticoagulant forever? I mean,
7: have I you? I did take Lovanox, and back in '06, when I had the second clot. One was right. du- first clot was due to a knee, a leg surgery. Yeah. In '0. And then uh-huh. the second clot was random in '08 for yeah.
2: no reason. Well, if you have factor V Leiden deficiency, it means that you have a very high risk for clotting all the time. So, for I example, know. that's what scares yeah, me. For example, um, when I was an a intern, one of the things we were taught is if you have a heart attack and you're, say, 25 years old it's almost always due to a uh, what we call hyper-coagulable state. What does that mean? That means you clot too much. Mm-hmm. And it's due to a lot of things. A lupus anticoagulant, factor V Leiden deficiency, protein C, protein S deficiency. I mean, there's a whole long list that we had to memorize. And the reason why I had to memorize them, we had to figure out if they had it. Yeah. And so, again, I don't know your history. I mean, have you had bleeding problems like, Ulcers or GI bleeds? No. So have you? I I guess what I'm going to say, and I, I don't want to get in trouble with the medical I, board. I
7: just not to interrupt you, but I just had blood tests done a few weeks ago, uh-huh. where they were going to check what type of um, I don't know how to say it right, but what kind of factor fibrinogen or yeah, leaden, um, you, you know when you do the blood test, sure, a different variant yeah, what it is.
2: But if you've clotted a couple times, um. If I had a patient like you, and I'm going to say hypothetical, who's clotted a couple times, has AFib, or ablated AFib, is going to get knee surgery, has per, uh, peripheral arterial disease, which can cause leg loss if you clot, I would consider keeping them on full-dose anticoagulation forever.
7: Mm-hmm. Um, on, on what kind of anticoagulation?
2: Well, see, the original one was warfarin, okay? It's rat right. poison and I'm going to call it that because my patients call it that. It doesn't poison you, but it what it does is prevent clots from forming. Now there are new I've heard ones. Eliquis is good. Right. So I was just about to get to that. Thank you. Eliquis and Xarelto are they work in a bit of a different way. Um, warfarin affects a bunch of a bunch of different uh, clotting proteins. Um, the Xarelto and the Eliquis affect factor 10, which is sort of like the um, crossroads of clotting. And they work very, very well. Um, aspirin, yeah, it, it's not a full or What it does is, we talked earlier about platelets. It helps prevent the blood cell part of clotting, which are these teeny-weeny little red cells called platelets. So my suggestion to you um is to ask your doctor if being on Eliquis or Xarelto or warfarin full time would help you. Now I can tell you if you do have a factor 5 lodin and I really don't care what what brand, what, you know, variety. Um I would be if I had a patient like you very worried about clots forming after knee surgery. I am. Yeah. Um have you seen a hematologist, a uh, blood doctor? Yes, I
7: I did a, a few weeks ago. Yeah
2: and they didn't had recommend another
7: one earlier and yeah. no one will recommend the blood thinner.
2: Yeah, they did or did not? Did not. Wow. Okay, so it's, it, there must be something going on that I don't know about yet. But let's just say if I had a hypothetical patient with either factor V Leiden or protein C or protein S deficiency, unless they have a contraindication, I'm really, you know, hot to trot on fully anticoagulating them with warfarin, eliquis or xarelto. So let's yeah. see what the hematologist says. Call back.
7: I'm gonna I'm gonna check in
2: with. Them yeah, and you call us that. back and let us know if they decide not to anticoagulate you. Uh, let us know what the explanation was.
7: Okay, thank you so much, Dr. Whipple, and hey. thank you, Dave. I love your show; is so great.
2: Well, you're so great. Thank you, you and Carol. listen, you were part of the reason why the show's really good because we have great callers and great listeners. We do.
1: Thank you, Carol. Thank you. Have a great day. All right. Take care. Telephone number here is 919 860 9783. All right? Yeah. I'm, you looked I'm, up at the clock and you no, were surprised. Well,
2: because every time I turn around, it's like I thought we were talking for a minute. Yeah. No, and no, no. It's been 15 minutes. Always no, long. I'm, I'm, yeah. The reason why I was so looking the way I was is that she's had a lot of problems. Yes. I mean, you know, I mean, and, and, She has a nice, happy voice. Yes. So that's what I want to get to right now. Yeah, good. Is when you are sick and when you've had a lot of problems, it can really get you down. Hmm. And, you know, what's my advice? Okay, I've had some minor illnesses. Right. Okay. I felt really good most of my life, and then I got hit with AFib. Yeah. And one of the things that got me was that I really wasn't upset about it. And mm. you know why? Mm. I knew about it. I had okay. full knowledge yep. that this was going to be okay, that I knew my doctors were going to take care of me. But what do you do, for example, if you've got a slipped disc and you're in pain, mm-hmm. you've got blockages in the legs, arteries, so your legs hurt, you've had AFib and ablation, you have to have your knees replaced, and you have a clotting disorder. Right. How do you stay positive? And you know how you do that? Hmm. You have good doctors who explain things and talk about how you can live with these problems. And that life is such a great gift. And that people say, why me? And you know what I say back? What? Why not you? Right. Because nobody makes it off this earth alive, except astronauts. But they yeah. always come back. <laughs> well, not all of them. <laughs> oh my but what I'm trying yes. to tell people out there, if you have a chronic illness and you're in pain and you are down and out, that's natural. Yeah. But what do you do? You find people who can support you, who can give you love. Uh-huh. And that's not just your friends, but your doctor should give you the kind of caring that imparts love of one human being to another. And I think doctors, that's one of their most important jobs. And you know what the word is? No. It begins with an H and ends in an E. It's called hope. Yeah. And if you can impart hope, then you can relieve some of the mental suffering that always accompanies physical suffering.
1: All right. We're going to pick up with Philip and Raleigh in just a moment. We're also going to talk about statins. There's some good news about statins. There's always good news about statins. The iPhone 12 can turn off your pacemaker. Really?
2: Defibrillator. And it's Defibrillator. even Defibrillator. Yeah, yeah. Really? we need to tell people this.
1: Oh, my okay? God. Also, gingivitis and heart disease. There is a connection. We'll make that connection coming up on Heart Health Radio. Fake news. fake news. It's fake news on, fake news. it's really not fake news, but this fake is an interesting article we found about people who people who believed certain things about their body, and those things were not true. Dr. Weefold, what do you have? Well,
2: uh, this is so funny, because I love these stories. So, they're a kind of fake news, but not in the fake news that we talk about in terms of what's going to hurt people. So, there was a patient who had a glucose of 450, and they said, I had a fruitcake. And they said, What do you mean? He says, he says Well, fruit's supposed to be good for you. So she ate a fruitcake. Remember, uh, we're daddy. fruitcakes, but fruitcakes are full of sugar. Now, here's the best here's a good one. There was a mother who said that she knew that the babies were born with soft spots. Because yeah. they were living in water, so they had to have a blowhole like a whale. <laughs> oh, here's a good Oops. one. This father was in the um, the birthing room, and the baby came out face down. Yeah. Oh, so he my started God. screaming, "My baby was born without a face," <laughs> which was really good. Okay, now, <coughs> a couple got pregnant, and they went to the doctor. There's no way that that. I can be pregnant Uh because we were taking birth control. Turns out the father took the (laughs) pill. So that doesn't work either. And then here's another one. A father took his son to the orthopedist because he was concerned about this bump on the patient's leg. Yes. It turned out to be the ankle. Okay. Who's the, the so anyway, I, they were funny when I read them. I just thought that was those were really funny. You
1: know, the people people didn't go to that school. I don't go to the. I didn't go to med school. Yeah. So uh, pick up with Philip and Raleigh. Welcome to the radio program. You are on he- Heart Health Radio. Hi, Philip.
4: Yes. Hey. Good afternoon. I, I enjoy your show. Thank you. Thank you. Uh I've I've got a question related to statins. Sure. Um. Uh, I had a uh, some dermatology issues, with some big sure. flare up on my legs and my arms. And went to the dermatologist se- several times and and went on antibiotics and steroid much Anyway, that that issue kind of got resolved. But uh, what happened? Uh, the outer ha- outer health of my Eyebrows fell out during that time, and the only thing she could come up with was uh statin side effect.
2: Okay, so you're talking about the eyebrows? Yeah.
1: The, the <laughs> I, eyebrows. I thought he
2: said eyeballs, yeah. and I'm going,
1: "Oh no!" Now, Philip, this is the outer half of the eyebrows. Basically, the outer
4: half of wow. the sides. Okay. Yeah, it. it I, I don't look too freaky, but they're they it's gone yeah and uh and it turns out uh that's the only thing she could figure out it, it turns out long story short you know I take my statin at night and I've got some drugs I take during the day and anyway I accidentally double dosed for a couple or three weeks
1: yeah do uh, you remember which statin it was? Simvastatin.
2: Okay. Well, um, I'm, I'm on 40 yeah. milligrams,
4: but apparently for two or three weeks, just because of my lack of good habits, I doubled up and took 80 milligrams, which I have read that's a pretty high dosage.
2: Well, that's the highest dose that we give.
4: Yeah. yeah. And it made my, I'm suspecting that's what caused my outer eyebrows to okay. fall out. And, uh, I'm using some Rogaine
2: on your eyebrows for my,
4: for my eyebrows, and but I mean, are are they? I guess my question is, are are they going to come back?
2: Or, are well, they- I don't know. I um, statins can cause a lot of things, but just remember, it's all very rare. And when I talk about rare, less than one in five thousand people, yeah, will have, and I. I'm going to be honest. I just looked it up. Uh huh. And it can do it. So, usually the hair loss is on the, the scalp, and that's when, you know, people, oh, you won't believe how many women come to say, and yeah. and some of them even bring the hair in, yeah. and there's chunks of hair falling out. Actually, beta well, blockers I'm, can I'm do.
4: completely bald. Male oh,
2: okay. Well, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> so, the statins can't make you bald,
4: because you're already bald. No, I mean, I, uh, that's not my concern.
2: Yeah, but so eyebrows are a particular type of hair, um, and they're very difficult to grow back. Um, I've had a couple patients um, who plucked their eyebrows and plucked them so much mm-hmm. they don't have eyebrows anymore. Yeah, and so you know what they do? No. They get a tattoo. They they go to a tattoo place no. and they tattoo on what looks like eyebrow. So what I I don't know anything about Rogaine and eyebrows. Rogaine is called minoxidil, and it's a vasodilator. and yeah. allows more blood flow to get to the follicle—that's what it's called. The follicle is a little pit that grows your eyebrow. So, that was a dermatologist who told you about the eyebrow thing. Is that right?
4: That's the—that was the only reason yeah. she could, yeah, conclude that the statin was causing the, eyebrow, yeah, okay. Eyebrow you problem.
2: don't take any other medicines besides the statin.
4: Oh yeah, I take a lot of meds. Okay.
2: Well, I tell you what—we're going to do. Um, I'm gonna look up what causes eyebrows to fall out besides plucking. Yeah, and then we're well, gonna put it on the show yeah, next I'm a, week. I'm a
4: guy, so I mean, I don't do that exactly. Well, right.
2: you want, listen now? I know guys who pluck their eyebrows. Yeah,
1: yes. Yes. Yeah. We can tell them. We yeah. look at them and say, "You're plucking your eyebrows, yeah. aren't you?" I
2: do. You ever have these real long eyebrow hairs yeah, that come yeah, out? Yeah. I I look in the mirror and there's an eyebrow hair that's gray.
1: Yeah, and it's three inches long. I, I said, "Where did that come from? Why didn't somebody notice it before?" And I think tell me they about did,
2: it? but they were afraid to tell
1: me. Philip, I got a question for you, and this is I'm the non medical guy, and I shouldn't be asking any medical questions, but you'll see. There's a point. Are you a diabetic? No. Okay. Let me just tell you, I had to reconfigure my medicine. You know the medicine pill bottles, like the pill capsules you, you set them up for the week and then you pull out the Monday thing I had to reconfigure because they dropped some medicine and added others what I discovered was some of my medicines are the almost the exact size and shape as my statin okay I wondered whether that was why you doubled up that, that accidentally could be, yeah right?
2: I have two pills that are identical in shape right
1: right
4: yeah. no it, it 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 was just an, a, an accident the double yep. up part was was
1: an accident yeah, yeah.
4: i just I, I i take the statins at night for yeah. my uh, general practitioner's recommendation uh-huh. and um Uh, for whatever reason, I I put a bottle downstairs instead of upstairs, or I had both, you know, downstairs. Anyway, I I accidentally doubled up for a couple or three weeks. Oh,
2: that's not going to hurt you. That's not going to hurt you. Do your doctor ever tell you why to take the statin at nighttime? There's a reason. Did he ever tell you why? He or she ever tell you why? No, sir. Let me tell you why. Your liver is what produces your cholesterol. So people think... I'm eating all this cholesterol. Well, the problem is it's a very minor amount that gets in your body. Your liver makes all your cholesterol. And your cholesterol actually has a reason to be, um, a positive reason. It helps your your cells maintain their integrity. Cholesterol is mm-hmm. in what we call the membrane. Mm-hmm. But it makes most of it at nighttime. It does. So if you take your statin in the evening, it tends to slightly lower your cholesterol okay. more than if you take it during the day.
1: All right, that changes my... Well, don't move do it unless again. your
2: doctor says I'm to. I'm
1: going to go to my doctor and i ask about that. My doctor's going to say, doesn't matter, Dave. doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter because you're just so messed up. It doesn't matter.
2: I take mine in the morning, okay? You do?
1: You do? All right. Okay. Thank you, Philip, for the telephone call. This is Heart Health Radio. Coming up, gingivitis and heart disease. iPhone 12. Will it knock out your defibrillator? Eh, Details yes will, on actually. that coming up.
0: Welcome to Heart Health with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weevold. Call us with your health questions at 919-860-9783. We welcome to the Heart Health Radio
1: Frequencies, uh, Rose Hoban from North Carolina Health News. How are you doing, Rose? Good. Hi, gentlemen. How are you?
2: One of my favorite parts of the show is yeah. when Rose comes on.
1: Now, Rose, oh, thank you. nationally, I checked this nationally, we know that the numbers were in decline, and then over the last couple of days, they've increased a little bit. In other words, we... Just a little uptick, yeah. Just a little uptick. How about North Carolina? How are we doing here? We,
6: we've we had just a little uptick, too. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we were down at a low of statewide... of. positive test uh, tests, you know, and now we've we've jumped, we've kind of crept crept back up to 5.5. I think the big concern is that, you know, folks are seeing the light at the end of the tunnel Uh, there, you know, (laughs) I, I don't know about you. I'm like really ready to like tuck myself into a too small, airline seat and go someplace? <laughs> yes.
1: Yes.
2: Let's do the show <laughs> the first, from the a, a U.S. Rube. Virgin Islands. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. The Virgin uh, Islands. Like or we could be
2: Ted Cruz and go to, uh, what was the place? Cancun?
1: Cancun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oops. Never go anywhere when you're a politician. Okay? Just don't. Don't go when to an exotic location ever.
6: When your state is in crisis. Right. Especially.
2: Is, <laughs> so, is, is the raise... Slight raise, a reporting issue? Do you think, uh, like all of a sudden we had some more to report, or
6: you yeah, think it's No, real? it's not like that thing we had back in early February, where they, yeah. you know, they got this big influx of data from. I think it was one of FastMed. They uh-huh. gave them, you know, forty-five thousand tests that they hadn't done in January. But no, I think it's just, um, it, you know, I, there's always fluctuation, right? There's always variation some of it depends on like they, they do less testing on weekends yeah. because people want to stay home um, or they or they, they feel kind of sick so they'll stay home and they'll try and treat themselves before they go out and get tested. You know, it, I think that's why we always look for the seven-day average um, and so that seven-day average is still looking pretty good. Okay. Um, the The problem is that it's, you know, like I think It's the whole, we want to make sure that the numbers keep drifting down. But, you know, what's really interesting, I had a reader write to us and said, could you include the state positivity rate? And I wrote back to her and I said, you know, it really depends on where you live because there is a map on the state dashboard. And you can see that my county, where I live, is Orange County. Our our positivity rate is down at 1% right now.
0: Oh, you hoity-toity
2: Orange County people. That's great. uh,
6: I know. I know. It's all these PhDs running around, you know, uh, affiliated with the university. But just north of us in Person County, the positivity rate is at 11%. So some of it might be, is there a cluster nearby or an outbreak? And that could be driving some of the testing rates or maybe just areas that still, you know, they haven't managed to squash the spread of the virus yet Um, so you know Sampson County has got a lot of positives still and uh, I think it's Montgomery County which is in the middle of the state so it's it's a little bit of a patchwork um, how it's going I I mean in general I I look at I look though at our numbers I mean you and I we talked all of us talked back in what January when there were almost 4,000 people in the hospital Mm
0: -hmm. right Right,
6: and now there's only fourteen hundred people. fourteen hundred people in, oh, in hospitals. That's that's a huge improvement.
1: Well, that's what we got the hospitals for. Honestly, when you think about it, fourteen hundred was is nowhere near capacity. We're not going to get overwhelmed. Those people are being treated well, right? Yeah. So uh, this is it's a sad thing they're in there, but it is a good thing that that it's a, number is it's not a positive three thousand. Right. Yeah.
6: It's a positive
1: trend. It's Rose positive th- trend. I, I want to thank you very much. I want everybody to go to org. I haven't read this article, but you've got an article up on the recent stories sidebar it says the steep cost of breathing. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that's about, but I think it's a good article. Uh, I bet It's, it's
6: about a- the cost of asthma medication.
1: Asthma medication, okay. And it's
2: ridiculous, yeah. isn't it? Mm-hmm.
6: All right. Thank you, Rose.
2: Thank you, gentlemen.
1: We'll talk to you next week. Thank you. Love you. org. Thank you, Rose Obin. Uh, David and Raleigh, you are on Heart Health Radio. Hi.
3: Hello.
1: Hey. hey. What's up?
3: Well, um, uh going to be an oddball sort of thing it's uh like for my daughter she's in her mid-30s yes uh she uh started experiencing blue sweat
1: blue sweat
3: on her legs and such uh her dermatologist said uh is chroma uh status i'm not i can't remember the, uh, the wording exactly is the
1: perspiration actually a different color yes no kidding yeah. Blue sweat.
3: Chrome hydroxis. My wife just corrected me. i
1: Chrome here, okay. here
2: it is. It's chrome hidrosis. Hidrosis,
1: hidrosis. Okay. okay. Yeah,
2: the chrome hidrosis. And it is, uh, yeah, it's actually a thing. And um, there's two types of glands, the eccrine and apocrine glands. The eccrine gland... They do the clear odorous fluid. And the apocrine glands, A-P-O-C-R-N-E, they're the ones that produce the thick, milky sweat. And apparently, there's something called lipofuscin pigment. And it depends on whether it's oxidized. Uh, and if if you have it oxidized in a certain way... Uh, it'll be different
1: colors. Is this a dangerous thing? Uh, usually not.
2: Um, and a lot of times you can be totally unsure of why it's happening uh, as opposed to other things. And, you know, it's just a weird thing. What did, what did her doctor say to do?
3: Uh, uh, I'm not real sure. I guess... Uh it's just one of those things you just have to let it pass because I don't mm-hmm. think you had a recommendation for her for anything. Wow. Uh, it, it's not really affecting her health or anything. Okay. Like,
0: uh,
2: you, it's, you can be you a know. drug, it can be a type of bacteria. The ones that really do it are car- uh, cariny bacterium, which are very rare, a fungus. So suppose you've been on a lot of antibiotics, you, your body can get a fungus, and that can do it. So what do they do? Sometimes um, they'll culture um the glands. They'll they'll go ahead and take a little tip in there yeah. and put a culture in there. It's pretty dang rare. Um and uh you know the dermatologists see this and let's find out what they find out it is from and call us back.
3: Okay. But right. no it's
2: it's definitely a thing. If and yeah. if your neighbors say, Ah, come on, blue sweat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's real. And it can be fixed. It could be a drug. It could be an infection. But it's one of the sweat glands that has some abnormalities that is causing it to produce a pigmented form of sweat. And I'm very fascinated. Let's see what uh, they come up with.
1: Thank you, David. I'll tell you what. This is like, you know, you mentioned the misconceptions that people have about their body. Yeah. I never knew that there were types of sweat glands. I thought there was just sweat glands. Yeah.
2: So you got a thick one and a thin yeah, one. I don't know. And it's the thick one, the Apocrine, A P O C R A. I only
1: use the thick one.
2: Oh. I, you know what? No. I, I don't I, know. I, I, I started – do uh, let's get a little personal here. Do you use deodorant or antiperspirant?
1: I use deodorant.
2: So do I. You know why? No. I started using I, – I, as I got older, yeah. I started to stink more. Really. And so I started using a antiperspirant. Yeah. And I clogged up my glands and mm. got an infection. Apparently aluminum is part of it. So now I, I just use Old Spice. And if you let me tell you something.
1: <laughs> the, isn't a that lot the, of greenish, women, the no, greenish. It's stick? the red one. Was, yeah. Oh, yeah,
2: but it's green. Yeah. Well, you know why? It's a powerful <laughs> yes, it I mean, is. you know, you stink and you put that stuff on, you smell pretty good. I need so, to cover it up. It covers it up, right? And it's harmless. But you know what's interesting now? What? A lot of women use it. They'll be driving along, (laughs) and I saw this: a woman had her arms up and was putting the Old Spice in there. So I asked another woman friend of mine: "It's a trend because it, (laughs) it, it, you know, it kind of doesn't smell too manly." Yeah. And it really does overpower the steak. <laughs> and believe me, I'm not being paid by Old Spice.
1: No, no, yeah. no, no. We would never. Mary yeah. and Carrie, welcome to... Mary and Carrie, I love it. <laughs> welcome to Heart Health Radio. How you doing today? Is it is it Mary? Yes. yes. Well, right. if you're Mary, you're on. Thank you. Thank you for your program.
5: And I want to tell you uh, that I have the weirdest situation. I um, I have... I wake up in the morning and I have a swollen eyelid, oh. or I have two or three little pockets of swelling on my cheek, or one of my cheeks is going down and around my chin there's some swelling. And I have been I have been to the dermatologist, I've been to the allergist, I've been to the neurologist, mm. and I had an MRI last week and it's, he thought I had a stroke, but I did not. And I wondered, what is going on?
2: Boy, this is one of those uh, situations where a picture, to me, would be worth a thousand words. It's uh, really hard to know. So are they little dots? Um, are they whitish, or what do they look like? Can you no, describe to them?
5: It's like a swelling. There's no color. It's just a swelling, uh, like, uh, like a, uh, well, I guess the head of a pin, uh, you know, a, a pearl, End of a pin, okay. two it, or three under my eye. Or now, when it says under
2: mouth. your eye, it's on the skin, not on the eyelid.
5: It uh, well today I woke up and my eyelid was swollen.
2: Okay, okay, so, so that kind of, uh, that white that line below the lashes is that where it is? It's
5: but, above my lashes. Okay,
2: today. Right.
5: Every, every week it's different. It's in a different spot. I didn't know if it was Bell's palsy or
2: is it tender?
5: Uh, I can feel it. No, It it's really doesn't hurt,
2: and it's not it, red.
5: It's not exactly red. No.
2: Okay. Mm-hmm. And do they go away during the day?
5: If I take a Zyrtec, they ah, go down a little bit.
2: Okay. Yeah. You, you ever heard of a test of cure? That's no, when you I give you give a medicine to see if the thing goes away, and you cure it and then you diagnose it. So I'm going to go out on a limb here and ask you a really bold personal question. Oh my. Uh-oh. <laughs> How old are your pillows?
5: My pillows? Yeah. Oh. Um How old I are guess they? they're about 3 years old. This all, right. all started last year when yeah. I got a new one. Oh. <coughs> a very expensive one too. Yeah.
2: With feathers or no feathers?
5: uh, uh don't know. Okay. Uh, Here's
2: Others. Here's what I'm going to recommend. Toss that pillow. Yeah. Okay. Toss the pillow. And then I want you to go either on Amazon or go to Bed Bath & Beyond or some other store like that. And talk to the salesperson or or type in the most hypoallergenic pillow. And the reason is oh. you might be allergic to something in the pillow that now is being worsened by what we call dust mites. Now, this is going to gross some people out, but your skin is constantly shedding, and it gets into your pillow, and the dust mites are these little microscopic creatures that are scare you. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. I mean, Google what a dust mite it, and it looks like a creature from the Black Lagoon.
1: If it was big, you'd be scared of it, right. sure. But yeah, we're yeah,
2: allergic yeah. to them, and people Hi. who are allergic... Um, and the I, fact I that this—I did this...
5: have a test with the allergist, and yes, I am allergic to those. Oh wow! And, and so I did go to Bed Bath and Beyond, and they sold me all this stuff for my mattress and my pillows. Okay. And um, uh, maybe it's not as bad as it was. Okay. But...
2: but they sold you all these new things.
5: Yes, but I didn't. But have... I thought
2: your pillow was a year and a half old. It is. All right.
5: But but oh, they sold me. Um, Pillow
2: cover no 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 oh. I'm gonna tell them that that's not right they need to sell you new pillows and then okay. what you need if it works okay um, sometimes it, it can be the mattress if <laughs> your mattress is on real or about
5: two months
2: yeah so get it's a new burning. pillow and then if it works wash that pillow every month now to kill the dust mites you got to put it in the freezer yeah. okay so you put it in the freezer for three hours. And then you'll wash it at a very high temperature, not with fabric softener, none of that stuff. Get some plain old soap, ivory, you know, neutral soap. Wash it at 100 whatever degrees, your, the highest you can get, and then dry it. And then okay. that's how you can do it. So if you get a new pillow and it works, uh, call us back and let us know.
5: Thank you. I really
7: appreciate it. All Thank right.
1: you, Mary. Okay. Okay. I'm full of weird facts, aren't I? For those who are keeping score on this radio show, we have, just in the last hour, talked to a man who had half of each eyebrow fall off. Yeah. Oh, Mary has swollen eyelids, and someone else has blue perspiration.
2: Well, what's next?
1: I'm I. I'm and we not... talked
2: about stinky armpits.
1: And we talked about—and we shared— Our individual stinkiness on the show. I'm not mocking anybody's condition. I just want to point out-
2: This is awesome.
1: This is the only radio show with that combination. Well, I think, you want to know why? Why?
2: Because we're welcoming and open. Yes, yes. And this is the whole point. You never know what condition that you may think is just weird- Right. Will actually be a problem. Right. Yeah. Have you ever heard of blue sclera- no. Okay, the sclera is the whites of your eyes. Don't sure. shoot till you see the whites of her eyes. The sclera. So there is somebody associated with the radio show, and I'm not allowed. I mean, the radio station. I'm not. I don't have permission. But a f- loved one, eyes yeah. have not white sclera. You don't see the whites of their eyes. It's blue. Yeah. And that's association associated with osteogenesis and perfecta, where the bones don't grow correctly. Now, have you ever heard of a saddle nose deformity? No. Okay. So imagine what a saddle looks like. Yes. So imagine somebody's bridge of their nose looks like a saddle. It caves in.
1: Yeah.
2: That's associated with some serious illnesses called one is Wegner's granulomatoma. Granulomat- yes. Granulomatosis. Okay. The other is uh, something called lethal midline granuloma. And it's just as bad as it sounds. Yeah. And then um, there are a bunch of others. So these little clues. Right. You know, blue sweat. You might have a fungus or a bacteria in your pits. Um, So, you know what? If you have something that's a little uh, unusual and you're,
1: don't be afraid. No, no, you got to speak up. Got to speak up. And you
2: never know what little clue can clue you in.
1: That's right. Telephone number 919 860 9783. We'll squeeze this in in the last couple of minutes. Gingivitis and heart disease, your iPhone 12 and statins. Might not get to the statins thing because I want to talk about this headline that says, Rabies. Rabies could mutate into zombie virus. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think so. Well, no. Really? I'm going to tell you. Okay, we'll talk about that. Right. J- j- coming up, Heart Health Radio. Well,
2: you know you make me want to. So, kick my
5: heels up and so, throw my hands up and so, throw my head back and so, come on.
1: This is Heart Health Radio, and we're shouting out whom? My
2: office staff. Yeah. Um, they're just wonderful. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me tell you, I've, I've been practicing solo now for 12 years, and I've had a bunch of people work in my office, and we've got some great, great staff members. Mm-hmm. And so what I'm going to do is every month, maybe every couple weeks, is shout out one of them. Uh, you'll all get your chance. But I want to say, uh, Amber Lamberton is the shout out for this week. She's awesome. She runs a lot of parts of the office, um, and and she's just, you know, quiet mm-hmm. and yet does her job and is not a complainer. Yeah, and she's worth every dime that I and everybody is. But I just
1: wanted to shout out Amber today. Very good. We've got Bob in Raleigh. Welcome to the radio program, Bob. Hi. Hey, guys. How you doing? Hey, what's up?
3: Um, well, you just mentioned saddle nose.
1: Yeah. Yes. And two weeks
3: ago, you mentioned that you were going to talk about polychondritis.
2: Oh, you know, that's great. On
3: a later show. Hey. And so I tied the two together and thought I'd call you. But it
2: is one. That's when I left off. Left, yeah.
3: Since there's only a couple minutes left, I'm thinking maybe we should do this next week.
2: Okay. Well, let me just tell you about polychondritis. It's it usually associated with a big ear. And this, I, let me tell you, really? when I was an intern, a guy came into the emergency room and his ear looked like a cauliflower ear, you know, like the, the, the boxers get punched. Yeah. It was tender. So I started on antibiotics. I thought the guy had an infected ear. And this is not the inner ear. This is the elephant flaps, yes. you know? And so this is so awesome, and this is how I got to love my doctors at Johns Hopkins. so the the attending walks in and you know he's got his arms crossed, and I present this whole case, and I say, he's got cellulitis of the ear, and he looks at me and says, "Frank, yeah, this is fantastic. You may never see this again." Huh. And so you know what I did? What? Well, if I'm not gonna see this again, I'm going to the bathroom, you know. And no, I'm kidding. And it was polychondritis. And what's that? The chondritis is the tissue that is really hard that makes up the structure of the ear. So you you have this crunchy, white, thick tissue, and it's covered by skin. Yes. Okay. So the lobe is just skin. Yes. But where that curvy stuff is on the top, that's all underneath of it is cartilage. Yeah, And that can get inflamed in many areas. It's an autoimmune thing. So your immune system attacks it and causes it to be really inflamed. If it's not treated, it'll actually chew out the cartilage and you have like these defects in your ear. So you can have the cartilage, which is the soft part of the nose that comes off where the bony part is. Right. Inflamed by polychondritis. Or Wegner's granulomatosis, and it can deteriorate and cause a divot, which looks like a saddle. Like a little tiny creature is going to use your nose for a horse. Yes. And it's really amazing. And there are all sorts of medicines nowadays that can treat it. We gave this guy a ton of steroids to lower his immune response, and his ear shrunk down. And he went off to the rheumatologist and I guess he's okay, because um, I lost track of him.
1: you sure you'll lose track after they leave the ER? Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Bob, does that uh, pretty much do it, or you want to call back next week and ask about it again? Yeah, I'll you. call back next week. You I've got do it. the ear problem. Oh, you've it.
2: got polychondritis? Oh, yeah. Well, I'd love, I'd love to hear. Listen, I want to hear doctor. your story. I want to hear the meds you're on everything. So call back next week and we'll we'll have a polychondritis festival.
1: I like that. All right.
3: It'll be in the second hour.
2: Great.
3: All right, that's fine. Okay, right. we'll talk to you then.
1: Take God care. Bless. Thank you, Bob. All right, could rabies mutate into a zombie virus? Now,
2: this article was really really fascinating for me because kids love talking about zombies. Yeah. And so I think that what we need to do is talk about zombies to get the kids in the show. A zombie, in (laughs) the sense, is the living dead. And they want to bite people, and they scream, Uh and they look terrible. Have you ever seen a rabid dog?
1: Uh, No.
2: They froth at the mouth. Yes. They want to bite you, and they shriek. So they're like a zombie. The rabies virus invades the brain and causes it to be inflamed. Mm -hmm. So all those brain cells start firing in all these bad ways and believe it or not they're afraid that the rabies virus will mutate kind of like the coronavirus is yeah. to be more lethal in humans. Okay. And so they're, they're just saying you know uh, we want to sell our magazines so we're going to talk about rabies turning into zombies. rabies infected patients turning into zombies. Yeah. But the most important thing is um, if you get bit By a rabid dog. Yes. Go to the doctor right away.
1: If you get bitten by anything wild, you probably should pick up the phone and call a doctor.
2: We had a rabid fox on our property back when I lived in a farm. Yeah. It looked weird. It was frothing at the mouth and screaming and running around. So, zombies
1: and rabies. It's not good. Okay. Thank you, doctor. It's been another week. It's been another good two hours. Of the I show. love this, and the listeners out there, um, this is the highlight of my week. All right, take care. We'll see you next week on Heart Health Radio.
0: Heart Health Radio is for information purposes only. Before taking any action, consult your doctor.